are listening to CJLY 93.5 FM in Nelson, and the next hour is Query, where I am joined by another special guest. We're very lucky to have on the show Matt Alton, who is a friend of mine who I met when I was living in London. Since we met, Matt has gotten really into the poetry world. And so I have invited Matt onto the show to talk about writing and poetry and to uh, share some words. So welcome, Matt. Uh, can you tell us which pronouns you like to use? I go by he and her pronouns. Great. Okay. So I wanted to introduce Matt uh, also by reading a poem that is written by David White, and uh, I read this poem, and it made me think of Matt, and I, yeah, really wanted to share it with him, um, which I did at the time, and now we'll do again, uh, and with all of you listeners. Um, so this poet poem is by David White, and it's called Self-Portrait. It doesn't interest me if there is one god or many gods. I want to know if you belong or feel abandoned. If you know despair or can see it in others. I want to know if you are prepared to live in the world with its harsh need to change you. If you can look back with firm eyes saying, this is where I stand. I want to know if you know how to melt into that fierce heat of living, falling toward the center of your longing. I want to know if you are willing to live day by day with the consequence of love and the bitter, unwanted passion of your sure defeat. I have heard in that fierce embrace, even the gods speak of God. So we will be chatting about poetry for the next hour and hearing some poems um, of Matt's. So lots to look forward to. And now we have a skater boy related poem, I understand? We do. Um, it's called Poetry is the New Skateboarding. I just finished writing it today, so this is a world exclusive. Ooh. Okay, so Poetry is the New Skateboarding. At 18, my world revolves around the ball bearings of my skateboard. Wet days mean sitting inside, imagining the tricks I could be pulling at the park, saying, Rain is the worst. My PlayStation hosts only one game. Tony Hawk, my idol, the bird who brings the branch of hope in the form of a pixelated plank. When the sun comes out, I check the ground every five minutes, promise to thank the gods of the weather with my blood and set off as soon as it's not quite dry enough. 19 and my world revolves around other small round things, white or pastel in colour. Some are for physical pain, some for the rest. I have not yet learnt that these pains are parallel. Without a creative outlet, I cannot care less about subtle changes in the weather, promise nothing to the gods, rarely set off joyfully. 25 and my world turns on the point of a pencil. I can make what I'm feeling sensual, transpose a scrap of my soul onto the page, set my rage hanging in the air for all to see. And it seems to me 
that skateboarding and poetry are not that much different. With my words, I can create a semi-coherent line of manoeuvres, add one more piece to my oeuvre, and I'm connecting to similar places inside, to when I could ride. So like, when I'm trying to get that line, and should it rhyme or should it chime together more subtly, and it just won't land, I'm so close but bail out because I'm tired, and the pain from falling all day, all year, is right at the surface, and I just need to rest. So I leave it for a day, and when I come back, boom, that was it. That's the combo, the angle, the sweet spot, the subtle adjustment that will make it all work. I'm feeling it in my body, turning, tuning into the subtle curvature of the situation, adjusting my perspective to the shape of things. So I've just pulled this sweet move, and I look back at the recording, and my God, did I do that? I can't even remember how that happened. It's as if everything went blank for a moment and it was just me and the board and the ramp, the pencil and the paper, and it just fell into my lap. And now it's there and I have it forever. As long as I back up my hard drive. It's the big day. As I drop into the ramp, hop up onto the stage, my adrenaline focuses in on that one point saying, do it like you did on your own. That was the best it's ever been. Style it out steezy. Each syllable in the right spot, locked in. Block out the saboteur. I can do it. I deserve the spotlight. And when it works perfectly, the tremors in my legs will hold out till I'm centre stage no more. And when the score comes in, I'm so blissed out I don't even notice. Whether I answer it with plank or pencil, the world has always offered itself to my imagination. Now, using a scrap of wood, cradling a pigmented core, I can draw upon anything and invent a new trick every day. Oh, I want to clap, but it feels like the sound would not be okay. <laughs> it was nice. Thank you. Or like maybe some snaps. I guess that's the Ah, uh, yeah, that's the best. I love it. Does, that, does that translate across the ocean? I heard it. Cool. Well, how did you begin writing poetry? Like, you've probably written poems throughout your life, but, like, I feel like there was a, a switch when you started more identifying with it. What happened? I'm actually very new to it. Um, I haven't been writing throughout my life. Um, I feel as if for, for most of my life I've had a creative block. Um, my brother's a, a professional artist and I remember him sitting in front of the TV as children. He would draw and and make these beautiful images. Um, and I think that I I kind of said to myself, well, he's so good at that. I will not. I'll not even try. And I think that bled into other parts of my life. Um, and I was a skateboarder and I, I that was a really big part of my life. Um, but at the age of 18 and a bit, um, I developed a chronic pain condition, so I couldn't have that creative outlet anymore. I now recognize that skateboarding was my creative outlet. Um, so fast forward to August last year, um, I, I basically accidentally found myself 
on a writing course. Um, I didn't really know it was a writing course. It was a, a, a retreat center that I go to sometimes. They had some free courses on. I thought, well, it would be nice to spend a couple of days there. Um, and the, the course info on the website was fairly nondescript, so I didn't really know what I was signing up for. And then everyone turns out with their notebooks and their pencils. Um, and we're led through these series of workshops looking at seeds and what seeds do for us and our relationship with seeds and writing about that. Um, and I wrote a couple of things I was really pleased with. Um, and then after that, I thought, wow, this is this is a new thing for me and since then it's been a massive opening up um yeah so really since august i've i've started writing a lot and started performing in october and much more since january and now it's it's really central to my life and i can't really imagine what it would be like without it yeah it's it's interesting because i think for me, poetry and like being a poet is a lot about noticing things and kind of bringing the everyday observations of being alive into some sort of collected narrative or piece. And so there's this part about witnessing the world and being awake and aware of what's happening around you and and noticing just weird things and then there's the piece about like transcribing it or getting it into words in a specific way that then can be evocative um and it seems I don't know. I just I remember when you told me that you're getting into poetry and I was like, oh, this makes so much sense because I think of you as such an observant person uh, mm. that. Yeah, like um, just in the way that you think about the world and like are in the world and that piece of then distilling those observations into poems uh seemed really natural uh to me so yeah I I wonder how how like if you also relate to that idea of like observing the world or observing your observing your own experience and feelings and then having to kind of distill them um and if poetry has changed the way that you like move through the world in any way yeah in terms of like what you were saying about how you thought that made a lot of sense when I started writing I know other people have said to me oh Matt I thought you already did that or that's just you anyway um so I seem to have found the art form that that is right for me and it seems like other people had kind of worked out that it was right for me before I did but that's okay, you know, I got there in the end. Um, I definitely think that it, it helps me certainly observe things. Um, I think one of the main ways that I use it is to make 
to take ownership of a situation. Um, I'll give you a couple of examples. Like I was in a sports bar, which is not a place I would usually go to around a lot of quite macho men. Um, And I had a a kind of low-level, unpleasant run-in with some guys who wouldn't let me take a stool and like made a big thing of it and made me feel quite uncomfortable um and I went and sat back down where I was and then it then I just started writing I didn't even think oh I'll I'll write about this now I just started writing a poem on my phone to reclaim that situation as my own um Another way that I've done it is I've been working in a school as a teaching assistant for almost two years. Um, And recently I started writing about it, writing at work, writing sometimes for the children, sometimes in a more actively critical way of the education system. Um, And that has meant that when I'm at school, I am definitely noticing things more and if something happens and I think oh there's there's something nice in that then I'll write it down like I said something to a child um, and that became the first line of a poem yeah and that makes me feel like I have some kind of power in the situation where as absolutely the bottom of the rung in the school and in the schooling system I didn't really have any any power before um and the other thing I use it for I think I'm making connections between things that you might not usually see connections between like the poem I just read um if if I just said to somebody yeah poetry and skateboarding they've got a lot in common people would probably say, well, do they? I don't, I don't see that. But I, I think I can use it as a way to, to explain in a nice bite-sized chunk why I think they're the same. In terms of being in the poetry scene, it's been great for me. I've only been, I live in Brighton, which is on the south coast, um, and it's a, an artistic and very queer town um and I've been living here for I've been living here for just under two years um and certainly since writing and then starting to perform I know a lot more people um I'm discovering cool new spaces and and new groups of people and again, I feel like I have a, a legitimate claim to be in those spaces and to rock up and be like, hey, I'm here. I've got something to share, which is great. Um, one of the things that I think is fantastic about the kind of spoken word poetry that I like writing and performing, um, I can I can tell a story about myself. Um, or or just say some things about myself that 
in everyday conversation if you set a timer for three minutes when you're just getting to know someone and I spilled all of the stuff I might say in a poem that would be really weird um like it's not really socially acceptable to just do a big chunk of your life story and say how it made you feel and how maybe it was awful or maybe it was joyful um you don't do that in three minutes to someone you don't really know but at a poetry night you can get up on the stage and say hey here I am this is me and then the people will clap and then you'll go and sit back down and then afterwards you'd start chatting to other people who performed and you you know say oh I really enjoyed your poem and then you can become friends and already have that that deep knowledge about each other so yeah I love the poetry scene a few years ago I was part of the organizing committee of the Nelson Slam poetry night and so I would get to host it uh on a rotating basis and I really like holding that space for people as well and being the MC and kind of trying to create an inclusive space and and valuing everybody um I got a little bit disenchanted with poetry slam politics uh of just like getting a bit tired of the the scores and the kind of gimmick side of the competition of it and didn't find it as supportive and was kind of frustrated by like how things were being scored which I didn't feel good about being frustrated about that because it's really not the point the the scores aren't the reason to write poetry but um kind of for that reason I I took a step back from from poetry slams and yeah mostly just write for myself these days but I do occasional performances and still, yeah, the cheers, the like, the feeling of like speaking to people and feeling felt and other people feeling felt by what you're saying as well is really powerful. Yeah, I really like the way you spoke about taking ownership of an experience through poetry too. And like, it makes me think of just yeah being the author of your story and being an active participant by yeah writing and and having your perspective and having new perspectives potentially come up through writing and seeing new connections by searching for metaphors that might resonate or images that kind of describe the feeling Yeah, it's really, it also reminds me of this somatic therapy course that I'm taking because somatic therapy is often, I can't remember what my instructor says exactly, but she says that we have to learn to speak the poet's language about the body. And in sessions, the client is often like being guided through some sort of awareness practice to identify feelings in the body and describe them and like really try to notice and observe what's happening through metaphor often because it's like the actual felt sense doesn't have a language because the language is feeling 
And so, yeah, I feel like that's also this poetry practice that I have right now is being guided and also guiding other people through experiencing their bodies and and being like oh okay you have like a lump in your throat and like would you say there's a color to it or does it have a a texture or like what else can we say about it or what is it what is it like or is there an image that is attached to it or or stuff like that and in having those moments to to sit with and pause and notice what's happening so much becomes possible it feels a bit edgy for me actually when I'm when I'm talking about this like what comes up is like thinking about those sensations and then thinking about pain and like how pain is a is a different experience that like noticing it doesn't necessarily make it go away Anyway, I've got off on kind of a tangent here. Um, it's okay. Um, I've got a poem about pain that I was going to read. Oh, well, this this seems to be the moment. This, Yeah, it does seem to be the moment. Um, I'm going to content warning it. Um, it's about having a chronic pain condition. Um, it's got quite a lot about bad and un unhelpful medical professionals in it it's called at war with my body and it's i think it's the the first longer form spoken word piece that i wrote i have been at war with my body when my knees began to say please let's rest a little was it the shoddy landings while i had been standing on my skateboard for eight years straight Or was it the weight of a past cast aside, a present with anchors rusted away, and a future without dreams? I have been at war with my body. We've got to get out today, said my mum. A trip round the supermarket to get you off your bum, off this sofa, off this fucking sitcom binge will do you good. And if I could get all the way to the checkouts without rerouting for that less comfortable than my sofa bench, I would have something to show for my 19th year. The tears that flowed so freely then came only when I was back on that white right angle of a prison. I have been at war with my body. Fit as a fiddle by February, the man in the white coat said. Poked and prodded and lied to. For Lent, I gave up hope. The promised day came and went and instead of healed knees, my heart matched the pain. The rest of my muscles got jealous and in on the game. I have been at war with my body. It's all in your head, said the osteopath. Well, in more words than that, but the sentiment was clear. Not ready to consider that the wrath of my body against my body could be somewhat explained by ruptures in my sense of home. Ignorance was the safest veneer. I have been at war with my body. You're a young strapping lad, they said. You can help move this table. You are able to give up your seat for someone who meets the requirements of some hassle-free rest. Never a boyish boy, a mannish man was not an option for someone with lead in their muscles and fire in their veins. And no matter how gladly I cast off the burdens of masculinity, I wish I could leave the house without a pocket full of pills weighing me down. I am not always in pain, was the most profound epiphany 
of 2019. It will be marked as the initiation of a delicate truce between the warring factions. Now that a fraction of the gains made in that peace process have lasted the year, the bells ring out. Once for each time I skip with joy. Once for each time I walk the scenic route. And once for each time I go to sleep in my bed without those veteran soldiers wounding me. It's a shame you couldn't see me like wave my arms around as I did that. I do <laughs> wave my arms around a lot when I do that. Yeah. I remember um, the first time I learned all of that. I, I know all the words for that. I don't need to look at the page. Um, and I, I felt like I was internalizing it as if you do your favorite song. And so like if I was feeling a bit down or if I had a bit of time was walking somewhere, I would just say it to myself. And it was like I was, you know, I was particularly the last bit. I am not always in pain. I was just saying it to myself and, and affirming that that's my story and the end of the poem is a happy ending and hopefully those gains that I've made for being much better than I was will last out. <sighs> yeah I remember I went to a, a workshop a few years ago I can't remember the teacher but they said that you know there's kind of a limited amount of poems that you can truly embody mm. and like and carry in your body at one time like we kind of have this limited uh muscle memory and so they were saying like be careful which poems you choose to like really take on into your body um and make sure that they're the ones that you want to be carrying around um and i don't know how like what your relationship to memorizing poems is like if you find that's kind of a simple thing or if it, it is really challenging um but I like my experience is is really struggling with that well I mean not it depends it really depends on the poem actually some some poems are easy to memorize if they are really deeply felt I think but I tend to to prefer reading my poems uh, from a page because it feels more in the moment and less rehearsed. Mm. And I can let the words be what they want to be in that moment. Whereas if I, if I memorize a poem, I tend to memorize it in the same way. And I have to say it in the same way that I memorized it. Otherwise, I get tripped up. So I like the freedom of not doing that and allowing it to kind of be a different experience every time. But then there's such power to memorizing pieces and just giving them to the audience out of your whole body. Yeah, I haven't considered it like that before. Like that you would have a limit. Yeah, that's something to think about. I find it quite easy to memorize poems. What What do you think is the worst part of performing? <laughs> Um, oh, the worst part. The hardest part. I don't like waiting. I don't like sitting there. Particularly, so I, I do perform at the, the Slam in Brighton. Um, and they pick names out of a hat. So you sign up. 
and you know that you've got a slot. And then actually the guy who won the the overall slam, so he won a heat and then he won the final. Um, he's called A.P. Staunton and he has this T-shirt. He's in his middle in middle age and he's a builder and he has a a t-shirt that he wears to poetry events which says ap staunton performance poet and groundworks um and he always he, he is the one who draws the names out of the hat for the slam but he draws them out of his hard hat from the building site i just thought that was a, a nice thing for people to know anyway so i'm sitting there waiting my name to be drawn out of the hard hat and it's very hard to relax when you know that you're up soon um particularly if you're mem- if you've memorized the poem because you're kind of i sit there and i go over it in my head and i go over it again and i've got a nervous bladder as well so i keep having to go to the toilet uh, yeah i know exactly what you're talking about who are your favorite writers to be inspired by in terms of kind of public figure writers, um, my only real spoken word artist reference point when I started was Andrea Gibson. Um, and I've, they've always kind of been on my radar um, and occasionally watch their videos. And I just find that I don't know, the way that they say it and the way that they they really embody the poem and they have I don't know, do you know them, Axel? Oh my gosh, yes. Yeah. You know the the thing that they do where whenever they take a breath, it's like part of the poem. Like they make such a an a noise when they inhale. I just think that's amazing. Um and they can take I don't know. I I think one of the the things that I marvel at is the sheer volume of work they've got out there. Like they've got loads and loads of albums. Um and I just think, wow, how do you write so much? How do you make such a a beautiful thing out of all of your experiences? So that's that's definitely a reference point for me and Andrea Gibson absolutely inspires me um, to try and be a better writer. In terms of um, page poetry, my absolute favourite is Mary Oliver. Again, she can just write about anything and make it beautiful. Yeah, one of my favourite poems is by Mary Oliver and it's called The Fourth Sign of the Zodiac. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know that one. I'm wondering, in terms of your process, it seems like you, yeah, find inspiration by various things that happen in your life or things that you notice or things that you feel. Do you ever feel blocked from that? And what do you do about that? There's certainly times where I don't write. Um but that's usually when I'm not trying. Um, 
I'm on a course this week where every day um, it's it's an online course because we're in lockdown in the UK at the moment um, and we have a Zoom call. There's four people on the course and one person leading it. So we have a Zoom call at 10 a.m. and we talk about what we've been doing and the point of the course is to write or do your creative practice every day and create something new every day um so on the call we share what we've done um and then the next day we do something creative again we produce something new and then we share it on the call um and the guy who runs that is called leo sedgley um aka the gorilla poet um he's he is the gorilla poet as in like gorilla warfare because he he made that name for himself after going into pub gardens like busy pub gardens and saying excuse me have you got two minutes can i have two minutes of your time to read you a poem um so i have a lot of respect for him he's and he's a an inspiration as well he runs my favorite poetry night um anyway so leah's facilitating this course and he said that the thing that gets him through writer's block is a quote from the poet william stafford who apparently wrote about 40,000 poems um, and William Stafford said if he said he doesn't believe in writer's block you just have to lower your standards and keep going and I think there's something in that um, a couple of times this week particularly with the poem I read at the beginning about skateboarding I kind of wanted to write something about skateboarding and I started writing it and I thought oh this isn't very good but I kept writing um and I wrote I wrote a fair amount and then I stopped for a bit because I thought well if I stop and get on with my day something might happen which changes things there might be a different angle on it um and when I was having my lunch I was going to watch a skateboarding video that I had up on YouTube but then I thought oh, I'm not really feeling this I'm going to watch the poetry video that I have up on YouTube instead so I switched it and then it came to me oh that's the angle skateboarding is the new no poetry is the new skateboarding so in terms of my process I tend to find that it's best to just have a go anyway keep going and then hopefully something will present itself to me that is the key to what I'm trying to do that's simple and beautiful I wonder if you've got another poem to share with us definitely have another poem so I'm currently dating someone who lives in Glasgow which is a really long way from Brighton um and we wouldn't be able to see each other anyway at the moment so the fact that our relationship at the moment is through zoom 
and through a screen, that's okay. And we're managing quite well. So I wrote a poem for them. They're called Anna. Um, and I wrote a poem for them, which was kind of about this having this relationship through Zoom. It's called, Did It Hurt When You Fell? Come closer. Turn up the buzz in my middle. Warm me with your one beer skin. Bathe me in your glow, full brightness. Plug me in. Is it us, fleshy wet animals I speak of? Or my laptop, one cable and a million other things I do not understand? Perhaps a dissonant union. I don't know anything about how the internet works, but imagination tells me there are satellites involved. Through my grimy screen, your skin is softer than any sock, more quenching than neighbourly lemonade on a summer's day. Look into the aperture and tell mine you are there. Tell my depths not to worry. Whisper our mineral song, all sniffs and moans. Sing and dance from the heavens, an angel for two and a bit senses. Oh, I really like that one. Thank you. So, as you know, this show is called Query, and it's pretty loosely based on uh, the three hosts, myself and two of my friends, Bria and Shaz, being queer and talking about things. And so I wanted to ask you about your relationship to queerness. I feel like my relationship with queerness is something that's always changing and developing. Um, If you'd have asked 18-year-old me, I probably would have been like, well, what's that? No, that's not something that's for me. Um, But I think as I as my life moves on and I connect with the world more and with other people, I feel like ideas of around queerness and a queer way of living are something that, that speak to me. And I guess this leads into my next question, which is about gender and how, and if you think your gender impacts the way that people perceive your poetry and react to it. Yeah, um, I think that certainly in my experience and the Brighton scene, I can't really think of any other cis men who, who I've seen doing the kind of poetry that I do, um, which is from the first person perspective a lot of it's about my own experiences of pain or loss or um yeah sadness um and I think that it's important to have a voice um a male voice saying these things Yeah, that's interesting when you say that. I think of poetry scenes that I've been involved with and the poems that uh, 
that I tend to see cis men perform do have a sort of distance to them. It's almost like they're writing or trying to write from some place of objectivity. And it's an interesting piece. I hadn't thought about that in a long time, about just how that it tends to be like a step removed or something like analytical or trying to be funny or whatever. So yeah, I'm glad that you're putting your feelings out there and repping what you rep. And is there a poem that you have to share related to this maybe? Yeah, it's certainly tangentially related to this kind of thing. It's another one I wrote this week on the course that I'm on. It's called The Secret. Some of my earliest memories are of tears. When my mum told me why the man on the street was sitting there. When my dad drove round the bend in the road again. My first day on the big playground. But now I have forgotten. The pit in my stomach can't remember how to flood. The four-chambered lake in my chest won't overflow. The bath behind my ears doesn't slosh no matter how hard I jiggle. Sometimes I feel it in my flesh. Tingles and shivers when you say you're going like icicles scratching my back from the inside. Pain shoots up and down when they say she's gone like tiny guns in my joints firing a 21-gun salute. But my face does not respond. I am tired. My lip trembles in the wind, but forgets that a vibrating kiss might put this thing to rest for a night. My eyes cry only when I need to sleep, forgetting that this terrible thing needs washing clean before I bed down with it. Make me cry, darling. Make me feel so much of something that that shameful dam bursts. Show me a void deeper than the abyss of Trebicchiano, and with your return flood me more violently than an August tempest. Knock me for six, twelve, 24, so far that the game is no longer worth playing. Look with me at the most beautiful and anguished parts of our world, inside and out, and everything in between. Kiss my tears, taste my salt, make my weakness your strength, part of your bones, make it what your muscles feed on, how your nerves fire, your synapses say I see you, and when you cry for me I will waste none of it. It is so unfair that children cry when their mothers go out of sight, when they tumble from their beautiful seats, when they don't understand what they've been asked to do. It is so unfair how some people can cry for kittens, for that second-rate actor, for the beauty of spring. I have lain in bed at night considering the death of my closest, saying on the upside at least I might weep. I know my agony is not your responsibility, but I am tired. You are much prettier than the solutions I could dream up, much kinder than my answers, much braver than me. Together we can be full of life. Fill me up to bursting point. Stretch me thin and blow me like a bubble. Burst me like a balloon. Pull my cord like a party popper, and the pop will be like a child at their birthday party who has eaten too much cake, and you and all of you are invited. Do you hope to publish your poems in a book someday? At the moment, I'm not really thinking about publishing a collection of my own. Um, I think I need to spend a bit more time seeing what comes out, seeing as it's all so new for me. Um, I've just kind of got to the point where... 
I feel like I could submit to to anthologies and that kind of thing. I think that would be a a good process to to do. Maybe before I go, I could do one of my poems about schools. Yeah. It's called The Children Shout and Scream. The children shout and scream because they know what's coming. It's not a monster. Well, it will eat the compassionate part of their souls, the part that draws flowers and has the power to let every single person play. It will patch up the cracks in their knowledge with paper mache made from the heaviest hardback books until none of their light can shine out on the world. It will recruit them as constables to police everyone's every facial twitch, giving the rich one free pass for every year of their lives. It will stretch their bodies into canvases, which will never look quite right, no matter how much they spend on paint. It will show them that the non-human world is theirs to exploit and that they are anointed with divine power over everything. It will teach them that decisions based on fear are superior to those based on love. It will tell them that rainbows are an illusion and borders are real. But the children know it's coming. They don't pay attention in maths because they know that each calculation is another brick in the foundations of a worldview where you must pay something else for everything you need. They doodle in their books because they deny, deny, deny that algebra and art are not intertwined. They see that a sum can be sublime and if you add some coloured lines, it will be a feast. They swing on their chairs because they refuse that the body is something to be used as a tool, then put down again. They mess around in history because they know the curriculum was written by white men about white men. They let each other copy because they know that collaboration will make the world sparkle. They sing, sing, sing because they know that each and every entity deserves to be serenaded. They eschew the use of rulers using their wibbly wobbly lines to underline their inherent queerness. They do everything in their power to evade this thing made of money and right angles costly clothing and exorbitant information, competition and urgency. But its foot soldiers are older and smarter. They know best and will not rest until the children are convinced that they were wrong all along. I commit today to do my very best to supervise these insurgent subversion of the status quo by never quashing any small act of kindness always telling them how beautiful their pictures, songs and bendy lines are, speaking truth about the intersections of the world's oppressions and never denying the interdependence and hierarchies of its knowledge systems, letting them explore the joys of being an embodied being, encouraging their cooperation and uh, and affirming that their nation of the whole world should come first. And when my best is not good enough, I will remember what it felt like to shout and scream and be free. 
Oh, Matt, it's been an absolute pleasure to chat with you today. And I'm so excited to get to share this conversation with all of the listeners. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. You've been listening to Query. We're here every Sunday night. And then you can listen to our podcast version on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and Anchor FM.